Today's podcast is brought to you by Management and Accounting Professionals, your Loveland-based accounting and tax firm. Do you still need to file your 2019 tax return? Are you a business owner and have questions regarding the SBA loans available to help your business during these uncertain times? We can help. Please call our office at 513-774-9600 or email us at pgross at map, M-A-P, accounting, A-C-C-O-U-N-T-I-N-G dot M-E. Hey, Pam, I have a question for you. What do you got, Ryan? So have you bought all your stock up in mask companies since we're all going to have to wear face masks for the foreseeable future? <laughs> hey, Ryan, I'm, I'm actually interested in buying into the businesses that are making those unique and creative masks like the dogs and the cats with the interesting and funny phrases. Hello all and welcome to an all new Voice of Loveland, the podcast from ionloveland.com where we are sitting here fully adaptable in the new 2020, our new reality, going over Skype here, talking our podcast, not wearing face masks because we are Skype, but Pam, honestly, we would and you would have that nice, interesting, at least I know a dog face mask because you're a dog lover. How are you today? I'm good, Ryan. Welcome, everyone. Look, the original intention of this podcast was to shine a light on everything going on around Loveland. It's going to continue to do that. But as we sit here with coronavirus and as we sit here and watch our elected officials and administration want to pretend and pout and stick their heads in the sand like there is no coronavirus, since we're the only ones that will talk about this, Pam, we're going to talk about things a little bit different here moving forward, kind of some more big picture things. Before we get to our big picture thing, which is about adaptability and what we think is going to happen in the near term future and maybe even the long term future, we do want to discuss the election. This is the last podcast we are going to do before the election is quote unquote done or as far as we know. I think this is the second time this year alone, Pam, we've said this is the last podcast we're going to do before the election's over. April 28th. The Ohio primary is technically over. It's all mail-in. You can go in-person voting, but it has to be for very, very specific issues, disabilities, all this other stuff. If you are mailing your ballot in, and yes, you have to mail it in, which means you have to put a stamp on it, which I'll talk about in a moment here, but that has to be postmarked by April 27th. If you are mailing that in April 27th, if you are going to drop it off at your board of elections, be it Hamilton, Claremont, or the school levies, not Warren. So, but still, Warren, there is Warren County is part of Loveland is there. It's 7:30 on April 28th. You have to drop it off. So once more to repeat, on April 27th, you need if you're going to mail it, it has to be postmarked by then. And you have to put a stamp on it. If you are going to drop it off, 7:30 p.m. April 28th. Hopefully that all makes sense, Pam. <laughs> all of that makes sense. And we will repost our uh, PSA that we did on how to vote in the primary one last time so that uh, everyone, if you're unclear, but you are running out of time. It's interesting, Ryan, because I want to kind of recite some numbers that are a little troubling. We have about 7.7 million registered voters in the state of Ohio. And of those registered voters, about 1.6 of them have actually asked for a ballot. Now, think about that for a moment. That is, according to my numbers, about 22%. That's terrible. Oh, that's way and, terrible. And of that 1.6, that, that means they've asked for the ballot. However, though, only about 975,000 people have actually cast a ballot. 
this is an election that I, I is going to be it just the turnout on this is going to be dismal. Oh, it's going to be I mean, incredibly at least, dismal. at least it appears that way right now. Yeah, it does. And we're hoping that a lot of people are making a big push to get to get everyone because, again, you have to request the ballot and then mail it in. And like I said, with the stamp issue. Uh, yes, you do have to put a stamp on it. And there is a, a little thing called the United States Constitution. And there's an amendment in there, the 24th, that talks about poll tax. Basically, it's an amendment that says you can't pay to vote. Well, Ohio's making you pay to vote because stamps cost money. And not a lot of people, I think you brought up off mic here, elderly people. They may not have stamps laying around. You and I, we both have our own business, Pam. I'm filthy with stamps. I've got tons of stamps uh, around that you do, too. I'm sure you do. I'm not going to claim that I'm going through all your drawers in your office there. But there's a lot of elderly people, a lot of low-income people that might not have them. You will have to put it on there. Having said that, there are, gosh, we're going to be so, so happy to be talking about all the lawsuits that have to go with this oh. <laughs> with this thing. Ryan, this is going to be <laughs> off. It, like I said, and I think I said it in a prior podcast, this is going to be a legal circus. It is. It really is. Because first off, I don't have any idea... I mean, we just talked about the fact that this looks like it's going to be just a very, very low voter turnout. But part of that problem is the multi-layer process that they made this. Yeah. I mean, this is ridiculous that you had to contact them to request the ballot, then they had to respond. And then the turnaround on that I heard was almost like seven days or something. Then they have to mail you the ballot. Then you have to put the stamp on it and mail the ballot back. All of this they decided that the date was going to be still in the middle of the governor's directive of stay in place. So that's the thing is, you know, I know a lot of people may listen to us and say, oh, good Lord, who cares about the stamps and whatever? Well, think about this for a moment. If you're, a, you know, an elderly individual who or someone who has a compromised, you know, immune system or whatever, they're not even supposed to be out and about, You're abiding by the governor's directive of staying in place, but now you want to vote. Well, you don't have any stamps. Yeah. I don't understand why we, if we were going to move the primary, move the primary outside of the directive of this, of the stay in place. Well, and don't, and don't make it a a, a multi-level process for crying out loud. Why didn't you just take everyone and say, look, what if you voted prior to the date on March. If you voted early, we're going to throw all of those out. We're going to do a new, uh, entirely new voting primary, and we're going to mail the ballots out to every single person. And the envelope is going to have a a self. It's already going to have a stamp on it. Yeah. Hey, hey. It's. I'm glad you brought that up because the reason we're bringing this up, it is more likely, Pam that we are going to be voting this way in the November election, then it's yes. not. So they better work out exactly. the process. Exactly. And we've yeah. said this again and again. Nobody, the secretary of state, the governor, the health director, nobody did this to be mean or nefarious. They're trying to keep us safe is why they're doing it. But the reason we are talking about it is so they know the mistakes they make so we don't make them again when the election. Look, all elections are important. I totally believe that. But when there's a lot more focus on the November election, we want to make sure this is all done correctly. And then also with all the lawsuits. And yes, Oregon, the state of Oregon has done mail-in voting for a long time. You could have just looked at what they did. And I know that's probably where we're going to go in November. I'd be shocked if this goes because of all the lawsuits. The other thing, the other kind of interesting statistic with all of this, this is a partisan race. We said this on one of our podcasts. I think it was the PSA, that whatever your party affiliation is comes from these, these primary elections. 
So basically, if you vote, if you wanted to vote in the Democratic primary, then you're you're going to be listed as a Democrat now. You want to vote in the Republican primary, you're going to be listed as a Republican. Well, this is just my job. It's what I do for a living, so I know this kind of stuff. I do know, as I advise schools on levies and things like that, you want high Democratic voter turnout. Democrats tend to uh, tend to be more favorable towards levy. Not all the time, and you know some Republicans are favorable, but still. I mean, Loveland tends to be a fairly Republican area, and until we ask for the most ridiculous and boneheaded levy on the planet, most of the levies have passed around here. But this particular thing, and there's still a lot of, uh, what would you say, Pam, consternation around the school levy? <laughs> Ang- a, angst? Yes. <laughs> well, if you look at all three counties, and Warren County is actually the part of Loveland, and Warren County is actually not part of the school, so you can kind of throw that out. But we have seen a higher, more Democrats are asking for ballots right now than Republicans. So you have a low voter turnout. You have a lot of Democrats. If I had to handicap this, Pam, things look good for the school levy. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see. I'm a numbers girl, so I like to look at the numbers. And it is, and, and you, you, you also have to kind of, uh, as you're looking at, at numbers too, you have to kind of think about what's built into those. But it is interesting what you said, because according to the information that's coming from the Secretary of State right now, it looks like that Republicans have gained about 40% of the voters because you have to pick a party yes. in a primary. So they've, they've gained about 40% new voters or a registered Republican who registered or pulled a Republican ballot. But it's interesting because the Dems, Democrats, actually outnumber them and they have grown by 102%. Now, a lot of that you can attribute to the fact that the Democrats had a contested primary, the Republicans didn't. I mean, there's a lot of things in there, but that's a pretty big ratio, uh, 40% to 102%. So it's just something to ponder. But before we leave this subject, there is a really there is something I do want to say about the school levy. This has to do with and I'm not taking a position of yes or no. I am addressing the fact that one of the things that and I've heard a lot of people who are very pro yes get very upset with the no people because on their signs they say no transparency and they get very upset with that. And it's funny because I agree with that sign. Oh, I, I Pam, Pam, I agree with that sign. And Absolutely. I was one of those I was one of those nine people that voted for the last stupid <laughs> levy. So right. there you go. But it's interesting because I've heard a lot of yes people say, Oh, no, the school board's been, you know, completely transparent and that's not fair for them to have that on the their signs. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Because the school board has not and continues not to be transparent. And I'm gonna give you a great example. I on Loveland did a public records request. We did this request many months ago. Yeah, pre-corona, uh, pre-corona, pre-corona. So we've been very patient because we also understand what's going on right now. The records request was we wanted all communications between the school board members, the administration, the treasurer, Amy Krause, any communications that they may have had with city council members. So it was a very big public records request. And what it was, it was in regards to the purchase of the Grailville property. It was from January 1st of 2018 to present. So it's basically two years. And keep in mind that the school board had a gigantic levy on the ballot that centered around this Grailville property. So we wanted to know what kind of communications were going on. Well, guess what? (laughs) Our public records Mm -hmm. request Mr. Hawley sent me an email and said, here's the information you requested on your public records request. 
keep in mind this is two years two uh, years on the biggest issue the the, the land purchase issue. of grailville yeah yes it was 42 pages long and yes you heard that right and as we went through it, there's actually only six emails. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are all kind of connected. So yeah. if you look at the pages, Or copies of the same emails. Right, or yeah. the copies of the same thing. There's actually only really six emails within that. That's all the communications the school board had about the Grailville per- property. What was interesting about it, though, was one of the emails in it, Ms. Krause, talks about, oh, we have a great relationship with Miami Township. We have a great relationship with the city of Loveland. And the officials there, and we've been talking to them, yet there are no emails, no communications, which means if they are talking to them, which clearly by her own admission they were, then they've been doing it by phone. Or in hallways and over pizza, Pam. (laughs) True. (laughs) And if you're doing it by phone, there's only really certain reasons why you do things by phone. And most of the time you do them because you want them to be secret. That's exactly why you do it. And that is the very definition of no transparency. No, I'm not going to say that's maybe why they're doing it. That's 100% why they're doing this. I have been in government for a long time, advised a lot of people, and I will freely admit, Pam, that I've told people, you know what, call me on that one, because I don't want a record of it. That's exactly what this is. And they are. They're hiding stuff. They're trying to hide things. Look, we, you and I have been very, very vocal about this. And Dr. Krauss and the, the school board and everybody's all been like, we want to talk to everyone. We want to invite everyone. They have not reached out to me once. Once. They would rather disparage our names amongst their friends because they see us as political enemies and not as people who, I don't know, own property, pay their taxes, has a child that's in their school system, they don't want to engage with people because, and this is this is the point I want to make on this whole podcast, this whole adaptability thing. They don't want to engage with people that they don't agree with or that may not agree with them because they're not willing to change. They want to keep things the way they are. They want to keep giving their donors and their friends all the money they want. They don't understand that the world's different. And here's a story I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell you the tale of the Nordic Greenlanders. Greenlanders as in Greenland, which is really kind of more icy. But uh, anyways, long time ago, people like we've all heard of Leif Erikson and all the people from Scandinavian countries that came to the U.S. long before Columbus did or North America long before Columbus did. Well, they obviously they had to go somewhere along the way. And a lot of them settled in Greenland. There's almost no these people, their ancestors are all dead. I mean, nobody exists of this line anymore. And a lot of social scientists figured out what happened is in their culture, uh, meat was very important in their culture. So like the highest classes got to eat beef, the middle classes, lower classes ate things like goat and lamb, but meat was very important. Nobody ate fish. Fish was way low class. Well, when they got to Greenland, there's no meat, Pam. So they had to fish. It wasn't what they did. It wasn't their culture. So you know what? They didn't fish. They got weak. They couldn't farm. They couldn't do any of that stuff. And the natives, the Inuit people came in and slaughtered them. It's a cool story. I mean, if you go look it up, not obviously for the Nordic Greenlanders, it's not that cool. But the reason I bring that up is it's about adaptability. It's about you go into a situation that is different and foreign. It's something new, but you keep doing things the way you do. You always die. And there's a lot of examples of this. If you look at uh, 
heck, you can even look at the native cultures of America once um, colonization started. You can look at Easter Island. I mean, how did these backwoods people build these great statues? And I personally do not believe aliens built them. I'm sorry if you guys out there do. But um, there's a lot of examples of this. So I'm going to use Loveland as an example. And I think this could go all across our country. This is why we started off with the whole mask concept. You and I, we are two people that like to go out. We like to you. You love going to your to your Jeff Ruby restaurants, to Tony's, things like that. Your good steaks. But now, if we're going to do that, and when we talk about opening the economy, let's say I could tell you, Pam, we could reopen the economy, everything could be normal, but every single one of us has to wear a mask. Do you think we're ready to adapt like that as a society? I don't think so. I think you're already seeing that because the grocery store wants you to, when you go grocery shopping, to wear a mask. When you go in there, half the people have a mask on and half of them don't. And you're right, Ryan. Are we prepared for when we go to these nice restaurants and the workers have to wear masks and the people who are serving your food are wearing masks? I mean, you're almost going to feel like you're going into some kind of like a lab or something, uh, some (laughs) kind of laboratory or something. And then after a while, it's going to be like, well, that's not much fun. No, Uh, you know, because you can, you know, you can go home and you're like, well, I don't have to wear a mask at home. And well, I know how to grill a steak. And well, I pick out pretty good wine and goodness knows it's a whole lot cheaper to eat at home. Oh yeah, it is. And and you also, if you're look, the service might not be as good, but you know who not to tip if you're eating at home. So there's, <laughs> there is that. The reason I bring that up though, and I told that kind of long. The only tale, bad part is that when the cooked steak, when the steak isn't cooked right, <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to send it back. Also, if you went to a restaurant and you knew the cook was drunk the whole time, would you want to eat it? But if you're eating at home, there's a good chance the cook might be drunk. I mean, heck, I'm I'm smoking a whole bunch of meat out in the backyard right now, Pam, and in a little while, I'm going to have a few beers. By the time I take that off, you're not going to trust me to be the smartest person. But, <laughs> well, but at least but, my no, wife knows Ryan, who to you, blame. You bring up a very good point in, in regards to adaptability. And I think that that is kind of what we've been trying to talk about for a very long time. A couple of things. One is we've been trying to talk about the fact that this particular city council in Loveland, the only thing they, they have focused on for their entire terms is downtown. And the only thing that they've ever focused on are bars and restaurants. The problem with that is that it makes not only our community vulnerable in terms of the fact that we have businesses that may or may not even be in existence after this virus. Here's the bottom line. We can't spend money we don't have. We can't continue to make bad decisions and use money that is supposed to be allocated to rainy day funds. Rainy day funds are there for these very reasons. It's it's a rainy day right now. And it is it is a very I mean, rainy day. I, uh, but, philosophically, actually, the day we record this is quite beautiful. Oh, that's <laughs> um, but the point is, is that the city has to be in a strong position. It can't play catch up. And it can't try to prop up businesses that can't be propped up because things have happened outside of our control. So let me. That's why you have to have people who understand that and that you have to have plans and resources and, and know how to handle those kind of things. Because at the end of the day, you can't leave people 
vulnerable and in financial ruin. Okay, and so, that's what we're yeah. doing. And that's what city council has basically done for the last four years. So let me go back to the Nordic Greenlander as an example here. Let's say after a few months, they realize, okay, shoot, we can't do this. And the leader of that group said, guys, we have to eat fish. And people would rebel. They'd all say, we can't do that. No, we have to because it's our survivability. We would see a strong presence of those people today after a thousand years. So going back to Loveland, using the same example, I'm going to pick on Councilman Tim Butler right now. You ever bring up Loveland Station to Tim Butler? He talks about the the bad thing in the middle of the city, the thing that's terrible. I'm going to tell, and Councilman Butler, I sure as hell hope he knows this. Actually, Mr. Blair says it. He calls it the lump in the middle yeah, of okay, the city. Yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, the, so, the, the thing is, Ryan, that lump in the middle of the city is the only damn thing right now that makes money in the middle of the exactly. city. Exactly, but here's the thing. It was the only thing making money before coronavirus, and it's sure as hell the only thing making money now. Yes. So let's go back to the adaptability argument. They all want to pat themselves on the back because, look, when it comes to these restaurants and stuff, these are their friends. These are the people that throw fundraisers for them. They're the ones that put their signs up, even though none of them live in Loveland. The Chamber Alliance, which suckles at the city's you-know-what for everything they get. I mean, you want to talk about an unsustainable organization. This is why they do that, because the city will give them whatever they want at the expense of us, at the expense of the general Loveland. So when this is all done, and even now what they're doing, they're trying to think, how can we make the restaurants whole? What can we do? And I understand the notion of that, but let's look at the idea of what if that's not viable? Let's look at the idea. It is now time to adapt because you're going to have to adapt no matter what. When this is done, we are going to have to get over ourselves and we're going to have to wear masks. That's an individual thing. We all talk about reopening the economy. That's the best path. There's a lot of good data out there that says if every single one of us wore masks, Pam, it'd be more effective in killing the coronavirus than our quarantine is. So if we could get everyone on board to do that, and I'm not advocating the governor or anybody force us to, but that's a personal choice we have to make. Our elected leaders, the school board, the city council, they need to know that life the way it is, is the, the way they thought it was, is not the way it is. So instead of being forced to adapt when this is done, instead of having that city council doing essentially what our federal government's doing and throwing billions of dollars, by the way, we don't have billions of dollars in Loveland, just to prop up these businesses they like, they need to know to adapt because there's a new world ahead. Our next podcast, there will have been another city council meeting. And Pam, I have a feeling it's going to be business as usual. It's going to be the same crap. They're going to all self-congratulate each other. They're going to say how great of a job everybody's doing. They're going to pass a few more spending things. They're going to say, but it was in the budget. No. Adapt. Figure out how to make Loveland better. This is not the last pandemic. And if we're going to survive, if we're going to move forward, we're going to have to rethink some things. We're going to have to rethink why in the hell do we need the farmer's market to take up a municipal lot when people can't hang out there? Why can't the farmer's market be mobile? Why can't they go somewhere else to pick up their food? Why can't they schedule things? Why do they have to have that lot when we need people why, to why use that lot? Why can't they deliver to their customers? Right. Adapt. Adapt. Be better because you will be forced to adapt. That, that is just a fact. When we talk about going to restaurants and you talk about, yeah, it sucks. It's going to look like we're going to be in the lab. If we want to do that, that's what we have to do. This is the reality of it. I know I'm getting really incensed about it, but I'm getting incensed because I get so frustrated 
to just see these people, to see city manager Kennedy every weekly report. Everybody's doing great. David Kennedy, it's not great right now. Stop acting like it is. I'm glad you brought that up because there's been a lot of postings in social media from our police chief in regards to for people to stay in place and to abide by what the governor has said and the six foot, you know, distancing and all of that kind of stuff. Yet nobody's enforcing it. You no. go downtown and it looks like downtown as it always is. Yeah. Close the damn picnic tables. Yeah. What, what the hell is wrong? I don't know or what's going the on. Police officers, <laughs> you don't even have to get out of your car to do it. You can just say, hey, folks, break it up. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be down here. This is where the disconnect is for me with, you know, oh, you guys all need to do that. And then nobody's doing it. You still go downtown and you've got clusters of people and they're just hanging out. And the bottom line, Ryan, though, is people are going to just do what they want to do. You're right. But our elected officials do have to lead. They are supposed to lead. And like you said, but it was interesting about the farmer's market. And it's not just the farmer's market. It's anyone who has... We've called it cronyism in the past, but anyone who basically is friends of the current administration and friends of the current mayor and all the goodies and giveaways that they have enjoyed. Here's the reality. We can't go back to that because we will never be in that same position. Because you have to remember, there are takers and there are givers. A farmer's market is a taker. They've never played by the rules. They don't register. They don't pay taxes. We don't know who in the heck they are. They don't go through background checks. They do not follow the rules that every other business in Loveland has to follow. They get to do whatever they want to do because they're friends in council. But the reality is, is that somebody was paying for them to enjoy their privilege. And those people were the givers, Mm -hmm. the people who, and the businesses who are abiding by the rules who are filing the tax returns, who are doing the things they're supposed to do. Well, that all worked okay for the takers and the givers because there were enough givers. The problem is now, Ryan, there isn't. No. So if you want to continue to be the taker, then you better prop up the givers. And that's what council needs to start understanding. This is a thing for you guys in the school board that want to ignore us, the guys on city council that want to just think everything's hunky-dory. Pam, you and I are the givers, the property owners, the parents of children, the business owners. We're the givers. taxes. Exactly. You guys want to make all your friends whole. You have to make all of us whole, too. Yeah, that's the reality is, is because if you think it's all going back to that, it's not. Mm-hmm. So if you want to continue the same policies of giving away stuff to your friends, then you better make sure the unfriends are propped up. Oh, yeah. This is all about adaptability. This is a new era. This is a new thing. And we started off talking about the election, how we have to adapt and how adaptability is messy. And it doesn't always work. We talked about the school board who has just been completely silent except saying thank you to the community and just doing the same old positive PR. Whereas, you know what? My kid's not going to school again. I'll tell you right now, I doubt he's going to go back to school in the same situation until at least 2021. They're talking about this hybrid learning program, which from my experience with people that do it like expert opinions that I do talk with, they're talking about kids going back to school possibly all of them wearing masks, all of them sitting six feet apart. 
there are organizations that are actively working with the public to talk about what this new world's going to look like, to talk about how we must adapt, to be that person that says, hey, guys, we might have to eat fish. Here is where I want to leave it. Here's the question every taxpayer must ask. Do we want to have a government and government officials who look at the budget and look at the dollars and they say, oh, golly gee, how can we spend it? Or do we want a government and government officials who will look at that same budget and that same money and understand where that money comes from and say, hmm, can we do this better? How maybe we can spend some of this so that when we do fall into hard times that our community doesn't? Hey, it's a very simple. I'll bring this all back to everything I've talked about here. In the end, if all of our leaders are going to look at us and say, come on, guys, we can still eat meat and there's no meat around then we're going to adapt as a community and we're going to elect the person that says, let's eat fish. That's as simple as it is. We will adapt. If you as our leaders are not going to adapt, because in the end, Pam, honestly, it's fairly insignificant what these elected officials can do. I mean, I know they like to pump their chest about being home rule city and all this power they have, but look at the power they've had for years. It's just been to give away. That's it. And now that they have to lead, Giveaways and wasteful spending. Exactly. They, now that they actually have to do something, they can't do anything. The school board is silent, not saying a thing to anyone. Hiding meetings. You know, their little test meeting and then hiding it from the public. You want to talk about lawsuits. <laughs> I mean, here there's all sorts of things there. And then you have a city council who has a remote meeting and a city manager that doesn't give weekly updates uh, how many COVID-19 cases we have. Nobody asks questions. They just keep saying, oh, this is what we're going to do one day. We're going to clean the bathrooms. We're going to do this. We're going to continue life as it ever was. No, guys, that's not the way it is. If you're not going to adapt, then the public will adapt, and we'll all go out in our nice, fancy masks and tell you guys, you know what? It's time for new leadership, because that's also part of adapting. Okay, Pam. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I mean, stay tuned, guys. We have a lot to talk about. And we are going to talk about the gas tax when we talk about adaptation and just how, guys, it's a new world. We're not here to be negative Nancys. We're here to hold our leaders' feet to the fire because they need to lead, damn it. That's it. You don't like us. I don't care. That's why we're here. I want to tell everybody too. look, we're here to solve problems. We have to identify them first. We have some ideas on how we can do this and how we can do this better and And how we can do this so that in the future, we truly are a strong and unified community. Yeah. I don't want a bunch of slogans to talk about how strong we are. I want us to really be strong. I agree. I I want action. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, with all that being said, the Voice of Loveland, the podcast for IonLoveland.com is a production of Ion Community. This episode was engineer mixed, well done technologically and all that great stuff by Pam Gross and Ryan Kulik. And the music is by my father-in-law, Shared Sate. And guys, we are not a bubble. Okay, reach out to Pam and I. Tell us what you think. We've had some very, very great conversations with people along the way. But guys, I mean, there's stuff we talked about a, a year ago like the residential occupancy program that is yep. bubbling up again and people reaching out to us. So you have something you want us to look into. You have something you want to talk about. Reach out to us. Part of your adaptation is to not think somebody belongs in office because they're good people. It's for you to adapt to know what people are doing in office. And we're, we're glad we're glad to be the people to give you our opinion. Absolutely. The only so ones everyone, in Loveland, as a matter of fact, that will dare criticize the powers that be. <laughs> well, everyone, thanks again for listening. We really, really appreciate it. And please be informed, be involved, be influential. 